But Dustin, I don't need, I don't need a partner. I don't need, I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. Okay, this week, we're again back to our topic of brothers. And me and Mike have talked about our brothers a little bit so far. Meet, I don't know about your family situation. Do you have brothers? Yeah, Mike named them the steak. <laughs> Is he older older than you or younger than you? He's younger than me. He's I got him by three years, but Oh, same as oh this is the same as me and Mike. And how's the relationship between the two of you? He does his thing, I do my thing. We see each other at Christmas and <laughs> Christmas and holidays and funerals. So it's just it's not anything bad. It's just we just right. never were close. So I see. Kinda like Mike and his brother, right? Like not as bad as me and my brother, but you you and your brother sound a little bit like Mike and his brother. Yeah, we don't see yeah. each other that much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not even that much, Mike. No, no, we see each other, you know, maybe six times a year now. I mean, we're not really that close, like living wise. And physically, right. Okay, so today we're going to get into brother stuff in wrestling as usual. And this week we're talking about brother matches. And I have four brother matches, actually three brother matches, including. And then the fourth one is today's match that hit me pretty hard. And I don't think there are so many brother matches that I've seen. But the ones that I've seen have all been excellent. And the first one I want to talk about is the one that fucking tore the house down. And I always wondered why these guys were never big stars, but it was Headhunter A against Headhunter B in Coraquin Hall in like a no-holds-barred glass match. And they <laughs> fucking tore the house down. Those guys are fucking incredible. I don't know who won, because I can't tell the difference, because they're identical twins. Which one is A, which one is B? I have no fucking idea. But the match was amazing. Mike, what did you think about those guys? I like the Headhunters. They were cool. I wonder why. like a minute in one of the majors? Were they in... in yep. Uh... yep, they were in WWF. Okay, yeah. Just for a show. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know why they didn't get any bigger than they were. Well, they couldn't have got much bigger, but, right. but a bigger push. They were so fucking agile, and they were wild, and they looked great, and never panned out for them. But that match... Certainly better than Man on a Mission. Way better. Way better. But that, that match, I recommend you go watch it. It's an IWA match from 1995, before death matches are really like exploding everywhere. There's no exploding stuff. It's really great. Meet, have you seen that match? I've seen matches of the Headhunters, but I don't remember that one. I don't remember them against each other. Oh, it's great. you got to watch it on YouTube. It's fucking fantastic. I'm going okay. to have to check that out. I forgot all about them, too. That's a, that's a blast from the past. Okay, the other match that I wanted to talk about is, Meet mentioned it last week or two weeks ago, Bret Hart and Owen Hart from WrestleMania 10, the opening match of the show where Owen Hart goes over, and in the interview after the match, Owen Hart says, I'm going to kick your leg out of your leg. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Meet, uh, what are your memories of that match? Bret Hart and Owen Hart. It was a hell of a start to WrestleMania. Yeah. It definitely was. Like that was. I thought that was the best match on the show. And it flowed so well together. They, they were in the same house, probably trained the same way. And so they must have had a lot of time training together because it was so smooth. So smooth. Mike, you mentioned you were like checking out of WWE matches at that time. Did you watch this match? I remember that. That was really good. Yeah. I mean, how could it not be with those two? Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay. The the other match, also WWE match, was Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy. I didn't watch this. Like Mike, I'm not a big fan of the Hardys, and I didn't get to stick around for that uh, broken stuff. So for me, this held little appeal. Meet, did you watch this match? 
I haven't watched it recently, but I did. I did watch it before. What did you think of it? At that point, they split them up, and you've already seen as much as you could do. So what are they gonna? You know, they're gonna do it to, to each other now instead of them doing it to another team. I didn't think it brought anything new to the table. Mike, do you have any memories from that match? No, I don't really remember it. I, I mean, uh, I wasn't watching a lot of Impact. Mm-hmm. I was checking out some of the uh, the broken stuff on on YouTube and stuff. I had a kick out of that, but I didn't really see a lot of the matches. So I, I don't. I, I may have seen it, but I don't think I did because I, I wasn't paying that much attention at the time. I see. Okay, so before we get into this week's match, <laughs> I don't even know how this is. Uh, like, I don't even know where to start. So let me just say that. So there should be like an authority that says this is journalism and this is not journalism because sportsters. Reports list of best brother matches is fucking unbelievable. Like really fucking unbelievable. They had a top 10 list and these are the top four fucking matches in the best brother matches of all time. Okay, here we go. Number four. Yeah, Mike, if you can guess any of these, I'll be shocked out of my mind. Go ahead. Just just at least tell me they put Undertaker versus Kane on there. <laughs> okay, you got that, number four. <laughs> Come on, they're not even brothers. I know, they're not even brothers. Okay, so Kane and Undertaker is the oh, fourth match. Yeah. In the same vein, that there are three other matches. Any guesses? Hulk <laughs> uh-huh. Hogan and Horace Hogan? Oh. It could be anything. It could be anything, right? Meet any other guesses? <laughs> I'm trying to think, too. Because that, is, that is a horrible example, though, brothers. Right. Okay, so the next match that they had, the third match, Edge and Christian. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh I don't God. know. I don't know how they fucking define brothers, but Edge and Christian is the third best brother match ever. The second best brother match is Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, who are cousins. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and the best ever brother match. How the fuck is this? Who who wrote this? The best ever brother match on their official list is Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon. <laughs> this is not real. Is it? It's a real list. I swear to God, it's a real list. I couldn't believe I my mind. I was so joking about Taker and Kane. <laughs> Undertaker wow. and Kane, number four. Edge and Christian, three. Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, two. Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, number one. As brother matches. That whole list is wrong. <laughs> yeah, there isn't a brother in that in any of no. those matches, right? That brings us to this week's great brother match. Actually, a fantastic brother match of Dustin and Cody. They have a long history. Uh, I think everybody who's a wrestling fan knows the background here. Their father's a legend. He's an icon. And the two brothers have a totally different experience with their dad because of the age gap and how much time each of the brothers got to spend with the dad. So I think there's a like a lot of unique things going on in this match in the background that the fans know. And so if you know the background, you're that much more invested, which makes this match all the better. Before the match started, you know, I wasn't like big on the I like I don't know the hype, the background or like where it went. Mike, what was the story here? What were they trying to do leading up to this? Was there a background story here? Pretty much nailed it. 
I see. Okay, okay. So uh, I thought that, you know, going into the match, I didn't know what to expect because Cody here is like 33 and Dustin's 50. And so I didn't expect much. But man, oh man, Mike, you're right. You know, Dustin Rhodes might be the best 50-year-old performer I've ever seen. There are some guys that physically look better than him. Like well, we mentioned uh, Gunn. Gunn looks great. Sting looks great. But the way Dustin moves in the ring, the way he slides in and out of the ring, the way he does his transitions, uh, he's better at 50 than he was at 30. Way. Yeah, he's good, man. He's. He, I don't know. How, I don't know what happened, but he really, he Finally really kicked himself in the next gear. Yeah, agreed. Meet. What did you think about his performance? You know, like you just said, for a fifty-year-old, and you don't really, you take it for granted. Like he's that old after after him go, coming in as Dustin, and then what was what was he at WCW at that time when he went off script? Like that powder looking dude. What was his name? Seven. Seven. Seven, Seven or some shit like that. <laughs> that was bad. That was really short-lived. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he wouldn't even go through with the promo with it. Right. He cut off script, right? And he went in and he said, I'm, everybody knows I'm Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, gen- but generally, like, I thought like the shape he was in, you didn't really see much of him until that match. I'm kind of curious, right, Mike? Like, I think there are certain guys we've seen in wrestling who've been allowed to keep their names and some guys who haven't. I was surprised that he was allowed to use the name The Natural. I didn't expect to see like he had the rights to that. And I doubt that WWF let him use it because he was using that at WCW. They bought the WCW rights, but he came out as a natural Dustin Rhodes. I, I was a little bit surprised about that because that, you don't often see that these days, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that wasn't part of the deal. I see. Uh, also, uh, speaking of, I mean, Cody had to go to court with them to, to use his last name. Yeah. I just oh, that. because that's not his shoot last name, right? Like yeah, his, so he had to go to court with them. For, he had a, like, a long court battle with them over his last name, so he, he'd finally won it. Now he's back in WWE. Have they brought him out yet or not yet? No, but they, no, they said they will. he signed. Oh, they said he signed. I see. Well, let's hope that works out better than it's worked out for other people. <laughs> I uh, doubt it. So, yeah. I would imagine. he's he, Supposedly, he's getting in the area of three to four or three to five million dollars a year, so I'd imagine that if they're going to pay him that much money, they're going to probably use really him correctly, give, give right? something to him, yeah. Yeah, there's this, there, there's your breadwinner right there to save the company, bring him back. Well, well they, they yeah. need to bring, they need to do that. I mean, I mean, they need to do something. They, they right. don't have anybody at the top. They got, you know, they got two guys, and one of them, one of them shows up, you know, four times a year. Let's get to the match this week, okay? So the match, we always talk about a couple of things. Talk about the commentary. We talk about the ref, and you might be surprised to know, but I think Jim Ross was on fucking fire this week. And I wish this was a Jim Ross we had for every AEW match, but he was great this week. I thought he was excellent. Yeah, I don't know why he was so good for this and so shit for the other stuff we've seen. And I think it's just product knowledge, right? Like he just doesn't know the new guys, so he doesn't know what to say. But for these two guys, he knew the whole backstory. So like his commentary was excellent, really, really excellent. Meet, what'd you think? I think it was perfect. And who who better than to have him? Call, call the ring, call the action in the ring, where he's watched them both grow up in the industry. I think that he was the perfect choice. And then again, who else would you have had back then to call that match? What would you say with some sort of like a knowledge of the family? Knowledge, yeah, like yeah, that knowledge like that with some sort of clout like that. So yeah, I thought he did great. And then Hebner, no brainer. He's always good, right? He's always good. But <laughs> he's I did, awesome, man. Uh, he's yeah. awesome. But I always like That's when cool I if they got him. Yeah, I was surprised that they got him. And you know what? When I saw the match and i heard jim ross speak like as a commentator because i didn't know who's gonna be on commentary i felt like this is what wwe should be or could have been 
and they let this go to somebody else. They could have had this level of excitement. They had all the guys. They had all of these guys in their company, and they just fucking fucked it up and let it all go. And it's a shame because this shows what's possible, right? And I was like, oh, it's a shame that they, they didn't bring this out. Like, and somebody else was fortunate enough to pick him up and do, like, greatness with them. I thought it just shows how poorly they're booking things. It was unbelievable, especially at that time, like 2019. And I, th- I think Jim Ross has a certain uh, love, more a higher level of interest in these guys because they are more like the typical professional wrestlers that he, you know, that that he's watched familiar with, right? You, you know, this is more more of a old school wrestling match than a typical AEW match, especially at that, that time where where the roster was a lot. Of, it wasn't as diverse with, with like uh, there were a lot more guys that did the same thing in the beginning than than now. It's it's very diverse now. So right, I, I think for him this was probably exciting. It, it was a definite definite throwback for for Jr. So and it also had like that big match feel to it, like right off the get go. And that's where right. Jr. shines, right? Like he shines in that like you know Austin, Austin, like going crazy and getting really involved. So I thought it, it was just it was a perfect storm. Oh great, the crowd was so hot. Yeah, great, great. Okay, so I'm gonna say something about the beginning of this match that you guys probably didn't pick up on. And I think we're going to have a long talk here. But I found it so fucking strange, really strange, that when Cody comes to the ring, he kisses that hot wife of his for like a millisecond. And then he kisses the ring apron for like five seconds. I'm like, dude has it all backwards. I would have kissed his wife way longer than I kissed the ring apron. She's smoking. (laughs) What do you think? She is. She is. Now... For the longest time, I've only dated black girls, so uh-huh. <laughs> that's what that, that's what I would definitely never turn when turned down. So not only is she attractive, but like she can actually go. Like she can that spear that she threw. We'll get to it later. It's better than a lot of the guys on the indies. Like very good, very very good. I don't know how her work rate is. Is she a good worker, Mike? She's green, you know. She's fair, but she's. You could you could see that she puts a lot of work into it. You you've, you know you could tell that she she cares about it. And, uh, you know she doesn't have to do that. Right, 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 she right. Could, she could be the arm piece. She could be the stay at home wife. I mean. Right, right. But, but yeah. she's in the ring training, taking bumps. So. Oh, good for her. Yeah, I my, I I love it when people who don't have to make an effort make an effort. It, that's impressive. And so, the, but yeah, Cody not kissing her for longer and kissing the ring longer was strange. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then Dustin Rhodes comes out. Comes out from behind the apron, and right away, something's bothering me. And Maybe you can guess it too, but I'm wondering why he's painted red and black. Because you know he's going to blade, and the blood isn't going to show up that well across those two colors. Like, I know maybe he can't use gold and black because of copyright or, like, potential infringement. But there could have been another set of colors where the blood would have shown more. I thought that lost some of, like, the impact of the blood coming out. Are those the colors he's always dressed in, Mike? Yeah, I'd say primarily black and something, you know, I see. black and red, black and blue. Yeah, it was a shame because you could tell he bladed in a big way and there was blood gushing everywhere, but it was hard to make out with the paint being red, too. Well, not, not after a while. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, once it got like maybe towards the very finish, like it was everywhere. But in the beginning, it was kind of hard to see that he was bleeding like a stuck pig. I just thought it was a, a little bit of a mistake. Okay, then let's get into the match right away. All right, so they get into the match and there's lots of things going on here. As I've already mentioned, you know, Dustin moves around great. They go to the outside and Cody tries to clear the people out from the arena from around the ringside. He fakes a throw in, they reverse, and then Dustin comes off the apron. But the most impressive thing is when Dustin throws Cody into the ring, he slides into the ring 
like he's an 18 year old kid it was so fucking sweet it's like a small thing but the way he slid back into the ring was so smooth oh my god awesome awesome did you pick up on that meat when i watched it over again i watched it a couple of times and, and the more i watched it the more you can tell that how, how much they worked on this match to do it like it, it was seamless it's like they've done this match a million times just working out and they finally were able to put it put it on for people mike i know we see matches the same way right but like were you surprised to see dustin that agile still or did you know because he was doing a little bit of work here and there that he was like that or you know i don't remember if he wrestled any matches before that in AEW. did they say that was his first match in, in a year I didn't or so right yeah in a year yeah. or so but like before that was he you know how like guys like as they're getting older they're getting worse and worse and worse did you notice a decline in his work rate or was he still good all the way through or what did you do you remember well, I don't think I ever took him serious in, in WWE towards the end because he'd been around for so long and he, he hadn't been put in a real prominent role. So I think if I did watch, I didn't really pay I as much attention and I didn't pay as much attention to the product to begin with. So I think I probably even paid less attention to him because I just knew he, who, if he was in there, he wasn't going to win. Yeah, and it was just a joke match probably, right? He was doing they, they, they were going to give him this kind of this kind of offense or this kind of match against a top level guy. Right, right. OK, and then they get back into the ring and lots of good stuff happens right away. Uh, lots of smart stuff, right? A lot of, you know, Cody doing Dustin's moves, Dusty doing Cody's, Cody's moves as if they know each other. And Dustin puts him in the corner and then Cody removes the turnbuckle so he can't kick him in the groin. It shows that he's like kind of understanding where the offense is coming from. I thought it was very, very smart. You know, like there's a reversal for everything. Really intelligent back and forth. Meet, what did you think? When I saw that, how they did that, honestly took me back when they were, when they were booking this all out, when they, when they decided, like, how to, how to keep the match as a flow. You know what I mean? Like, how, right. to, how to keep all, you know, the people in the arena, people watching, engaged. So I think they did a really good job of, you know, evening it out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, I just watching that, you know, I'm going to probably watch it again after we're done. Just mm-hmm. to see, just to pick up on some of the stuff we're talking about, see what I missed. Six eyes are better than two. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so that was I thought great. Then Dustin goes to the outside and he gets speared by Brandy Rhodes, right? And this leads to DDP coming out and carrying her away. The crowd's acting like they haven't seen DDP before. I guess this is like a, I don't know, like a special thing. He comes out, takes her away. I wasn't really, you know, that big on the DDP and Dusty relationship. I think there are other people who had a closer relationship with Dusty you could have probably brought out here. But hey, I I guess, you know, it's a contemporary of his. He carries her away. And one thing I love is he never makes it seem like she's a sex object or like tries to, you know, uh, they don't ever try to push up her sex appeal they try to make it as if she's like a real competitor who's causing a nuisance in this match it's not like she's a a female manager mike you mentioned before like the valet you can't touch the valet you never get that feeling with her with her involvement here i thought that was really nice and when ddp comes to take her away of course he can carry away he's a big guy and he carries her out but they never exploit her sexuality I, i thought that was good for and it probably appropriate for today what do you think mike yeah that's commonplace now they don't they don't do that so much the the diva era is gone I see. I see. It's you, all you, you, over. Ve- you very rarely hear mm-hmm. one of the commentators make any kind of comment towards uh, the, the the woman's appearance. Oh, and and if you do, you'll hear about it on Twitter next the next day. You know, you'll oh Jim uh, Ross said this or Adam or, or what's his name Corey Graves said this. Right, 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 right. I see. I see. So they don't want that kind of exposure anymore. No, they're not going to. Oh. Which would be impossible for me when Jade was in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then uh, we uh, get back into the match and they're going back and forth. Cody does a double axe handle and then 
Once he hits the double axe handle, Dustin's down on the ground. I'm sure Mike saw it. Dustin taps his leg on the ground, his back leg, with a certain kind of rhythm to make sure that all the audience claps along to motivate him to start getting up. And like that little difference is what separates a good worker and a fucking fantastic worker. But just by smashing his leg on the ground, the whole arena's into the match. I thought it was fucking genius. Yeah. Meet, did you pick up on that? Like the whole match had a different feel than the rest of the show. Like that right. was like, like you didn't have to do much. He didn't really have to do that to get him engaged, but just mm-hmm. like you said, just including him. And then just, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was offered a, offered a visual aspect of it. Right. Like Mike, we usually see the, the manager or the valet do stuff like that, right? It's rare to see a guy in the ring get the crowd going like that with like the, the cheer, you know, like, like leading the cheer for himself. Have you ever seen yeah. that before? Yeah, I've never seen that before. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was great. They, they know what they're doing, these those guys. Yeah, great, great. Okay, and then from there, Dustin and Cody exchange super fucking tight power slams. The torque on their power slams to each other were fucking fantastic. Really, really, really good. Really good. I, I didn't know that Cody was capable of that. Mike, how is his ring technician work usually? Is it usually this tight? Cody's excellent. Cody I see. really is. P- people went down and got down on Cody because of a couple of the feuds because he, he was trying to get a lot of the young guys over. But Cody had some great matches in AEW. The Sammy Guevara match, his last match was insane. It was a ladder. It was just insane. There, there was just things you just, I mean, you don't even believe you're watching this shit. Meet, what are your thoughts on Cody? I think he went to the right spots for people. I don't think really people took him really that serious. So I think like they all thought like that Stardust was a gimmick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. now now see him what outside you know the company you know the big bad company all these right. people doing it. Like mm-hmm. I think it really proved that he actually is. He's he's got a lot of talent and he knows he knows how to work the crowd too. Like heel heel babyface. It doesn't matter what he is. Right. That commanded the crowd when he's in there. From there, Cody takes off his belt. Before he does the removal of the belt, Dustin hits the most fucking smooth code red I have ever seen. Yeah. Fucking out of nowhere, unexpected. The height difference between these two. We talked about it before. Like when Bret Hart put the sharpshooter on Diesel, sharp, Diesel's too big for it. Like you shouldn't be doing that. And with the height difference between these two, I would have never thought that this could have gone off that smoothly. Excellent. Excellent. Mike, you must have popped for that, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I think I was in like a stupor for most of this match, man. I was super <laughs> emotional. I was like, I was just on the edge yeah. of my seat. Uh, it was great. Mead, what did you think about that? I liked it. I thought it was dope. It really was. You know, if the match finished there, even though it was really short at that point, it would have been believable. I thought that would have been an okay finish because it was totally out of nowhere. Of course, I want to see more, but it was so nice. It could have been a finish, I thought. Something I really liked, too, is when Dustin was, uh, after he bladed himself with that sickle, I liked how there were two spots where he couldn't see and he missed on the swing of the punch. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I I like those two spots a lot. They were excellent. Excellent. It just makes it all the more believable, right? Like it's a real Something fight. Else you don't on. really see a lot either, you know. But you know what? There is one thing I'm gonna say that you. <laughs> so right after that, you're right. You he throws a punch that he misses, the 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 hook that he misses. Then after this, what we just talked about, the code red. They go to the top rope, and Dustin almost fucking cripples Cody by slipping on the suplex. He just barely oh, yeah. fucking got over. <laughs> Holy shit. I thought he was dead. I thought he was, it looked like it was going to be a flying DDT off the top rope right on his head. It was just, he just barely got over. 
but looked great in the end. And again, close two count, crowds losing their mind, losing their mind. And uh, rightfully so, rightfully so. But then unfortunately, Cody hits a nice low blow. And then he does a Marty Jannetty looking disaster kick, which was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't touch him. It was just a grease. Right. You know, at least he touched him, though. Right. He touched him on like his elbow. And, but you know what? Like he's bloody. He can't see. He didn't really sell that he got kicked with the kick. It's like he's having difficulty yeah, he seeing. he fell down. Right. And so the way he sold that miss kick was OK. Unlike. You know, the Orient Express, who like they just went flying out of the ring, right? <laughs> and so, like, from that's air. a totally different, yeah, yeah, from air. Me, did you notice that he missed that? No, I didn't. Actually, I got to go back and watch it. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah, yeah, he missed it. It's was pretty weak. Okay, <laughs> from there, I've never seen the crossroads off the suplex before. Dustin held him up in the air, did the crossroads suplex right out of Ultimate Muscle TV series. Very, yeah. very good. And another close fall. And now you don't know where this match is going, right? Who's going to win? What's going to happen? And then they meet in the middle of the ring and Cody runs, whips Dustin off the ropes and they both, I don't know what that was, but it reminded me a lot of like a move we saw in El Hijo del Vikingo and Laredo. Like I know both guys are flying. I know both guys are in the air. I don't know who hurt who. And even the commentators don't know what to say. I don't know yeah. what the hell. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened there. They, it was a big schmaz in the middle. They they froze up. I think they, somebody slipped on the move and they just both collapsed. And but like the crowd is so into the match that it was okay. It didn't matter. Like it really didn't matter for the trained eye for people who watch matches as much as we do and as closely as we do. We're like, uh, oh no, <laughs> oh no. The difference in the Vikingo matches is some of those moves are designed that way. That's right. We don't know who hurt who. That's but this, right. You know, this, I think, was obviously an accident. Right. But what's great and what makes Cody better than Janetti and Cody better than other guys, he comes back right away immediately with a super stiff move immediately to cover it. So you forget about it. Yeah. That's professionalism, right? And so he does. I don't know what you call that. It's a double underhook reverse picks him over over his back. What is that move called, Mike? Call yeah, that. I don't remember what that's called, yeah. Oh, it was so fucking nice. Is he the only guy who does that? Are other guys I'm doing sure it? Someone else does. You I know see. what I mean? If someone's doing it, that someone else saw it and they're doing it too. I see. It was beautiful. It was it's hard to get that move right because Dustin's taller than him. And so the impact, like it's just a little bit off, but it's it's just devastating looking. I thought it was great. And that that should have been the finish, but then to make it even tighter, he goes to the crossroads. For the finish, one, two, three, right in the middle. I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was a really good finish, strong for the rest of the for the match. Summed it all up, brought everything together. Yeah, the crowd was loving it. They were all losing their minds. And I think, considering what the background is, considering that Dustin's fifty, thinking about you know the fact that Dusty had just passed away a couple of years before this, and these guys are now headlining the biggest show, launching a new company basically. So it was very emotional, very nice. I love the way it ended, but, and this is where you might disagree with me, and I know it's a personal issue of mine. At the very end, Cody grabs the mic and he makes a speech. For me, I would have preferred Cody to walk out of the ring, leave Dustin in the ring. Dustin gets his like swan song goodbye, and then that's over. And the reason I'm saying that is because when he said, I need my older brother, I imagine my fucking brother standing in the middle of the ring saying ha! that to me after we had a match 
I would have slapped the fuck out of him right in the front of the ring. <laughs> it had zero percent sympathy with me. Why? What do you think about all that at the end? I thought it was one of the most beautiful moments in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> it made me not think of anybody. It didn't make me think of me and my bride. It made me just think of them. I just thought uh, the story was great. I watched it today. It was probably, you know, I don't know how many times I saw the ending of that match or that match. I can't watch that match without that ending of that match, that yeah. thing without getting choked up. Wow. <laughs> I, I, Cody's done that to me a couple times with a couple of his interviews. He's had a couple that have turned the opposite direction where you're like, oh, dude, shut the fuck up. You know, the one interview, <laughs> the, the one segment he cured racism. <laughs> so so you know he's got yeah. some some beautiful moments like that and he's had some other right. ones that but that i can't watch that without getting choked up i just thought it was beautiful meet what about you yeah. <laughs> you know what it's just a combination of both their careers finally being in the same like being in the same spot and enjoying the same spotlight i think they brought it together they brought like that you know they, they tied it all in with them you know with the dream dying everyone did him him dustin being older like and cody being like the forgotten like the illegitimate one you know, and it just, they brought everything full, full circle. You know, for all those years, Cody had to watch Dad and Dustin wrestle on that and never be a part of it. Right. And they brought it all together. But it, it was a choke-up moment. I don't get biblical in a place like this, but mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was well done. I see. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if for certain, but I can tell you there are a lot of guys in their living rooms crying at that moment. You know, I guess if I was there watching it then and I just had that impact of like Dusty just recently passing away before it might have hit me harder, but it just turned me to my own personal situation. I was like, get the fuck out of the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but excellent match. And as good as Cody is, and as great a showman as he is, and as high a position as he deserves on the card, for me, Dustin stole the show. That was outstanding. Outstanding beyond belief. Yeah, it was a wonderful match. I I think it may have been match of the year in quite a few uh, publications and uh, Mm -hmm. and, like some of the websites. So, I think it deserved it. Was, it was different. And I think Cody is different than most of the guys that work outside of WWE. So I think that would, that kind of made him a little bit special. Hopefully he'll be able to have, you know, he's not, he's, he's going to lose that now when he goes back. Cause there's going to be sure. a lot of guys working that style. But I think like when he started on the Indies and he was working that style, I think it was, uh, it was cool, man. It was, it's something different. I, li- I like to see different types of wrestling. Right. Right. But that, yeah, that match was great. Meet. What about you? So I watched it more. The first time I watched, I watched it. I watched it to watch. Cody. Second time I watched it to see this was to watch what Dustin did, you know, and have just have just my have my focus on everything Dustin did. Going from the last time I saw Dustin and WWE, I I don't know if he was with Our Truth or Booker T. I I forget the the, the tag team they had him in, but there, let's get let's be real, there, there wasn't really any right. real wrestling going on there. Do you know who's on the roster? All right, the roster. The year of this match in the roster, we're talking about WrestleMania 18, and this is in 2002. And I'm going to give you like a setup of what was going on in the world. And at the very end, I'm going to give away a hint which will help you realize what's going on here. So in 2002, America starts using Guantanamo Bay. Homeland Security is formed. The Salt Lake City Olympics happens, and Canada wins ice hockey gold. <laughs> I had to throw that in. You had to throw that in there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then Kelly Clarkson wins the first American Idol. Oh, and good. Yeah. FIFA, the World Cup was in Japan. It was Japan, Korea. 
and I actually went to watch a FIFA World Cup game, and people talk about how FIFA is this great thing and the environment and the atmosphere. I went, it was fucking awful. I hated it. <laughs> and uh, the biggest thing that happened in 2002 is that Mike turned down a chance to go to this WrestleMania to spend time with a girl, which he mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts. So we're talking about a WrestleMania where Mike had a chance to go that was in Toronto, but he refused it for a girl. That's a big hint, Mike. So I think you can guess what the matches, some of the matches were. Mike, I'll let you go first. WrestleMania 18. Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Correct. Meet. The Rock. Correct. Mike. Steve Austin. Correct. Meet. Scott Hall. Correct. Mike. Okay, that was my next one, so you gotta give me a minute. Okay. <laughs> did they did they work each other? Yes, they worked each other. Yeah. Oh man, let's see. Shawn Michaels. Incorrect. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't yeah. want to make you wait any longer. Yeah, you should have went you should have went with to take with Taker. That's the streak. That's oh, correct. God, that was who the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that guy? If you guys can win the who the fuck is that guy this week, I'll be impressed. It's winnable. It's not not winnable. It's winnable, but it's not easy. So there are a total of one, two, three, four, five, six rounds. But the sixth round, I win. So five rounds. Mike, you had a first chance in the roster. So meet who the fuck is that guy? Round one, T-Do. T-I space D-O. T-Do. Funaki? Incorrect. Mike, round two. Mega Mask. Outlaw Ron Bass. Incorrect. Meet round three. Razor Rick. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not familiar with that. I'm going to I'm gonna have to pass on this one. Okay. Mike, round four. Rick Titan. Tim Horner. I got no clue. Okay. And meet. This is the last chance. If you don't get this, I win. Round five. Big Titan. I don't, I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't think of anyone. I'm out. No? You're out. Mike, do you know? No. Fake Razor Ramon. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah, he, oh. he was he was big titan for a long time. I thought you guys would have got that. But the rest of the clues are so difficult that it probably threw you off your game. Because I think you know him as big titan. I knew the name. I didn't remember him. Yeah. 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 That was a little bit tricky. I, I put this one in because of Scott Hall last week. I thought maybe it would jar your memory. But OK, so I win. The Who the fuck is that guy? We have some internet bullshit that is next level internet bullshit. Last week, Mike brought up a really, really interesting point. Like, what is the criteria? So I, I went and everything on the internet bullshit so far has been through Bleacher Report. Again, we're back with the Bleacher Report. This is one of the things on the Bleacher Report is their greatest matches ever. Okay. And so the criteria for their greatest matches ever, number one is... Did this match 
change the landscape of wrestling. Number two, was this match well received by fans in attendance? Number three, did this match keep people on the edge of their seat? And number four, most importantly, was this match relatively flawless without many bad spots? Okay, so keep that in mind and listen to the matches I'm going to tell you. It okay. sounds like the match we watched this week, but right. I bet it's not going to be. Oh, my God. Well, that match is... Okay, so let's start. I'm going to read the match, and then I'm going to ask for your comments. The 10th greatest match in wrestling history, based on the criteria I've just mentioned, Heat Wave 96, the franchise, versus Pitbull number 2, versus Chris Jericho, versus 2 Cold Scorpio. Mike? That's a top 10 match of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I don't remember it. I, I don't You're know how much right. impact. I guess it didn't have as much impact on me as it did, as it did the reporter who wrote the uh, article. This is fucking ridiculous. Meet, do you remember that match? I do, but I don't remember it being top 10 worthy of anything. I, I, just, thought, I just thought it was a space filler. It was fucking, it was nothing. And it was far from fucking flawless. These guys couldn't work a flawless match if you paid them the Pitbull number two franchise and two cold. Come on. So, no. Ugh, no way. Okay. Number nine. Not a bad match. We mentioned it today. Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Okay. Not bad, but they didn't change the wrestling landscape. We didn't meet any of those criteria. Uh, we've already talked about this. Number eight. We watched this match at Hollywood's house, Mike. And you probably don't even remember it because I barely remembered it. Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn from Living Dangerously Pay-Per-View. Wow, this guy was a big ECW fan. I don't know, Jerry Lynn was really good. He was good, but he didn't have any matches that set the world on fire. I think he was just bland, you know? Yeah. Like, he had no personality, so he didn't stuck out. As there, were guys, there were some guys out there that kind of did his shit, but they were, you know, we probably thought more of Van Dam, but Jerry Lynn was much better than Rob Van Dam. He's pretty perfect in the ring. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, uh, Meet, any thoughts of that match? Do you remember Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam? I do remember it. And it, like, I, it, from that match, Jerry Lynn's the one who stood out. It wasn't like Rob Van Dam said anything. I thought, I thought, I thought Jerry Lynn looked like he had the better spots in that match. Who the, yeah, fuck, did who the fuck did this <laughs> yeah. So Bleacher was like, one okay. of those guys like a landstorm. He was so good, but like he just didn't right. have any kind of charisma. Right. But everything he did was perfect. Yeah, right. There was nothing wrong. It's just that there was nothing to him. You had no interest, right? Okay, number seven. Finally, I think a good match. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat from the Music City Showdown 1989 pay-per-view. Very good match. I don't know how much you remember of this match, Mike. They had a number of good matches between 89 and 90. What did you think of their matches at that time? Oh, my God. They were great. That was like that was a great year. Like they had Flair and uh, Funk. It was probably right. The same year. Right. Same year. Wow. Great, great year. Great series with him and Steamboat, of course. Uh, that's a good match. Yeah. Did Steamboat win that one with the double, with the, with the double <sighs> chicken wing lift or whatever the hell it was? Um, they went back and forth, right? They had a couple of matches where yeah, they yeah. traded. Like, yeah. So I'm not sure which one this is, but this is one of those matches. You're right. I mean, do you remember that match? And if I'm not mistaken, I think there was a one. They're still doing those one hour events. That's correct. Almost, That's correct. That's there was correct. Almost yeah. a, there was almost a 60 minute Broadway. I think it just, just ended right under. But them two are phenomenal. They, the, the chemistry them two had all the way back and then culminating now again. Like They did that feud several times but like in 89 i think that's when they were both on top of their game though like you were getting much better with rick, rick flair than right there mint rick flair yeah that's the match mike that uh rick flair wins and recovers the title from steamboat this is i agree 
acceptable top 10 match from this list so far. This is the only one. I think the rest of the matches are not acceptable as no. a top 10 match here. Right? No, no way. No way. Okay. Then number six, WrestleMania 17, Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys. Meet thoughts? Is this in the middle of that heat of the heat that they they were all doing? Is this the angle with all three of them? Going yeah, at it? right, it, right. That's it. I that's think it. this. I, I think that match was the best one that they all three the teams had together. I, I think see. that's. I, I think that was probably the best best match that they did. These guys are just like a spot fest, right? Like yeah. it's not. There's no psychology. No spots, yeah, right. it's not. It's just everything to keep to keep the crowd entertained for the rest of their character. Like that was a filler, I think. But how many times are you going to do that match, though, with those three guys? Like that, that's all, That was your tag team division right there at that point. The whole division, right? Mike, what did you think of these you know matches? What the nice, you know what the nice thing about having three teams in your tag team division? It, wasn't, it was that you didn't just have two. <laughs> right, which they did forever. <laughs> you, you, you know, now it's uh, New Day in the Usos for the last 10 years or so. And, and yeah, I, I'm sure it was good. Everything those guys did was good at the time. All, th- all three of those teams are, you know, they're all pretty good. Everybody. Right. Okay. Yeah. Number five. Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon from WrestleMania 10, the ladder match. So today, this match hasn't dated well because there's lots of way better ladder matches today. And actually, there are some really good ladder matches before this, but they were from Stampede Wrestling or other places where we didn't have exposure. This is the first like mainstream great ladder match or a very, very good ladder match. Mike, what do you think about this match? This one of those matches I thought that might be on here. It may be the significance with like uh, making the ladder match such a big thing. As right. far as that, I mean, at the time, it was great. It was crazy. We didn't see anything like it. And both those guys were, you know, were at their peak at that time. Right. I agree. For the time, it was good. Very good. Me, did you like this match? I did because I mean, because it, it showed you that Scott Hall was about the business. Like he could have easily said, "Well, fuck you, I want it this time." Mm-hmm. Sean had a lot of missed spots, so you can yeah, tell it was messy a little bit. Yeah, it was a little messy, and Hall, you know, for as much of they say he was, you know, they were all on drugs and stuff like that. He held it together for that one because he because you could totally tell mm-hmm. a couple spots that Sean just fucking missed. Okay, so number four on this list, it would not even make my top thousand matches, even though it's significant. But I just, it was awful, I thought. Number four, WrestleMania three, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. What? <laughs> Mike, thoughts? Well, if they're going by significance, that's the first match I thought of. If you're going by match quality and <sighs> both flawlessness, right. Hogan was a bad worker. Andre was, you know, could barely get to the practically ring. dead at that yeah, point right. in the ring. Yeah. You know, so, so, yeah. For significance, certainly, and for any other thing, no. No, not at all. Agreed. Meet thoughts on that match? I'm thinking now, too, this is the point I, I just thought of, though, too. Andre was right around our age doing that match at that awful. time. He was, about 40, <laughs> he was about 45, I think, 44, you know? And what are you going to do with a seven-foot guy that can't move? Like, they say he passed the torch, man. Hogan was going to take it anyway if he passed it or not. They're just gonna, they're, they would have found, found a way to do it. Yeah, agreed. Number three. At the time, I remember not liking this match that much. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, the Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. They had way better matches than that, so I don't think that was agreed. a top ten. I don't think that was a top ten match. I agree. I don't even think this was their best match. I no, think it wasn't. their Survivor Series match was more influential and better than this because of that's, hype in the crowd was. Came to my mind. That, yeah. that match right there, the Survivor Series one, would have been. Why would you say that one? Of yeah. all of them. This guy sucks whoever made this fucking list. <laughs> yeah, Mike, agreed? Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. probably good, but I, I I don't know. The way they make these lists, you could pretty much throw anything on there. But right. I thought Steamboat Savage would have been on here. 
Ah, you're right. Okay, so you always spoil this for me. Steamboat Savage is number one. <laughs> okay, so there we go. That right. is number one. But the number two match is Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog from SummerSlam 92. In Wembley? Was that what, in Wembley, was that right. In England? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was nice. Yeah, it was a good match. Good match, right? So, but, you know, like when you look at this list in its entirety, there's like maybe three matches on this top 10 list that might make my top 100 matches. I may and maybe yeah. maybe Flair Steamboat makes it into my top ten on the boundary, maybe. But. Yeah, the, these they need to get someone that has a a bit more diverse of a, a background yeah. in professional wrestling. He's Think like, oh, you know, he, he grew yeah. up and he watched WWE and then he found ECW one night and he checked that out on occasion and then this is the list he came up with. The franchise versus Pitbull number two versus Jericho versus uh, Two Cold Scorpio. Come on. That's not even the best ECW match on that show, probably. <laughs> I'm so glad Masawa, Kobashi, right. those guys made the list because, I, yeah. because, you know, they certainly wouldn't be on my top 10 list. Right. Fucking ridiculous. So anybody out there listening, please do not use the Bleacher Report as a credible source for wrestling information. They fucking have no clue what's going on. What? 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 What did you watch this week? Meet, did you watch anything this week? I did. I watched Tito Santana versus Macho Man from uh, Boston when Macho Man won oh. the belt. I only watched it just to watch the, the, the promos after. Because <laughs> <laughs> trying to ask how you say goodbye in Spanish. It was. I remember that time where Savage was on the come up. He was doing great stuff at that time. He was red hot as a heel. And Santana being like the like the stereotypical baby face. I thought it was great work with those guys. They they worked very well together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Here's another thing you don't realize and now watching like watching Savage and that he was always always had to project himself to be bigger because he wasn't I mean he was jacked but he wasn't a tall guy. Correct. Like so so you see all like those 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 uh robes and stuff from the rain all out like that he had to project himself to be bigger than he was compared to these guys i think he was only about five nine he wasn't a tall guy right and he didn't look five nine you know what mm. i mean so he, he did a lot on his craft just to look that way yeah i agree mike what were you watching this week AEW as always but uh I, I always go back and watch old stuff on youtube and i this week i was watching some portland wrestling stuff so i watched uh i watched the whole show but the main event was uh buddy rich versus uh dynamite kid yeah, Dynamite Kid had uh, had won the title. It was it was a title match. It was a two out of three. It was a good match. Yeah, like I always like Buddy Rich, but like yeah. I I like him a lot more now. Like I appreciate him even more now. I've been watching his Portland stuff. He had great stuff with with uh, Roddy Piper. Oh my god. So okay, so this week I watched two different things. Uh, one of them I sent the link to you guys. I don't know if you watched that. I don't know what the fuck that was. It was it's a EWA, the European Wrestling Association. It's pro wrestling without ropes in an open arena with just a mat on the ground and they're fucking body slamming each other and suplexing each other on the ground. It's fucking nuts. (laughs) But like there's, it's it's strange because it's obvious that they're working, but it's kind of trying to be shoot working. I don't know what it is. It was really weird. Did you watch it at all, Mike? Just a few minutes of it. Yeah. I had no idea why I've never seen that before. Yeah, it was really weird. Me, did you ever see anything like that before? No, but I can tell you what, I, the, the guys that were involved the next day, they definitely never wanted to do that shit again. Right, that was, it looked <laughs> fucking awful. So I watched that, and then, Mike, you've got me into this, like, thinking of, like, the new guys as being so great, so I've been searching around, and I found a guy who's fucking fantastic, and I think you probably know him, 
If he had been alive in the 80s, he would have been a monster foreign heel in Japan. And his name is J.D. Drake. That fucking guy is amazing. Do you know him? He's very good. He, he's, Holy uh, shit. In AEW, he's on. He's like uh, more of a lower guy. Like he'll beat some guys on dark. Very, very good. I, yeah. I watched a lot of him in Evolve. He's very good. Him and Anthony Henry, the workhorsemen, are a great tag right. team. Well, I watched him just fucking kill a guy on some local indie show there's like six people in the crowd like really like six i'm not talking like there's like there was like like six and saying there was like 20 there was like six six people and he fucking killed this guy and the guy took all the bumps they went for 20 minutes it was beautiful and i love he's very good yeah he's very i i don't know why he's not made a bigger splash i wonder if they're just because he's green they're letting him take time to develop but he i think He's got everything. He's got size. He's got fluidity. He's got a good repertoire of moves. He understands, like, from what I saw in the match, the two matches that I watched, psychology is good. So I, I just think it's a matter of time before he makes it up, up the card a bit. What do you think? I think his best bet is to get away from the group that he's with now. I mean, if he could, he did just team up with Anthony Henry, his, part, his old partner, for the first time on uh, AEW uh, last week against Moxley and Brian Danielson. Oh, wow. So, so they're putting so him I'm in big hoping, matches. So that's that's a, about as big as it can get to the biggest names in the sport. So I'm hoping that maybe he can reform that tag team and, and really yeah. get a look because, I mean, I mean, he's good. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to us at sixmanpodcast at gmail.com. For now, it's time to tag out. 